Um, one of the most powerful apps that we can ever apply into our life is something I want to talk about tonight. And it's sim- I want to call it the gathering. I want to call it gathering, okay? Gathering together as a body of Christ, as people who are on a spiritual journey with God, is one of the most powerful applications that we can make into our lives. And just as a little bit of a a story for you, um, the last couple of weeks we've started our location over at Hagley. It's going really, really well. It's great to see some people from Hagley here tonight as well who've gathered with us because you're all part of the same church, which is brilliant. And over the last two weeks, um, we, we've seen uh, around 100 people and then around 80 people. So that's amazing. And both weeks we've seen some new people come, uh, which is fantastic. And so that's really great, isn't it? And here in Hal's Owen as well, we've seen new people come over the last couple of weeks as well, which is absolutely brilliant. And um, I, I want to talk to you about why we gather Okay, and how important it is to gather. And we're a church that talks a lot about being sent out and going out and going out into the workplace and out into the world. And that's absolutely true. But Jesus never said, go into all the world alone. He said, come to me and go with me. Got it? Jesus said, come to me and then go with me. It's not either or, it's both and. It's both and. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a history uh, a lesson about myself. Uh, when I was a kid, I was brought up in a Christian home. My parents uh, were not brought up in Christian homes. They both became Christians in their teens and their mid-teens through the Salvation Army. All of the, uh, my family on both my sides, mom and dad's side, were not Christians. Uh, and so they both became Christians as teenagers and then met, got married, had me and my sister. And when I was a kid growing up 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. Um, Basically, if you were a Christian, Sunday was all about gatherings. Like people gathered twice on a Sunday. I gathered seven times on a Sunday. In the Salvation Army, I went to seven different meetings every single Sunday. I'm not advocating that. It's a little bit crazy, uh, but that's what I did. That's when I was a kid. When I was bringing my kids up, however... 25 years ago and 20 years ago, things had changed. If you were a Christian, you went to church on a Sunday, but you never went more than once. You kind of never went more than once. That's what happened during that era. Now my kids have grown up. Most people who are Christians, if they go to a gathered situation weekly, they're quite unusual. Because most Christians go twice or even once a month now. Now, all I'm trying to say is there's been a massive shift in the last 50 years. Would you agree? So when I was growing up, it was all about church on a Sunday for me seven times. A little bit extreme. When I was bringing my kids up, it went from weekly, but no more than that. Nowadays, many people consider themselves to be an active part of a church when they gather once or twice a month. Now, why do I say all that? And well, let me tell you, why, why has that happened? Lots of reasons. Life has changed. When I was a kid, shops weren't open on a Sunday. Anyone remember that? And you didn't, when I was a kid growing up in my home, we didn't really watch the television on a Sunday. We certainly would never go to a football match on a Sunday. They didn't have football matches on a Sunday when I was a kid. Life has changed. Work has changed. Shift patterns have changed. Entertainment has changed. I think that's one of the reasons it shifted. The other reason, we don't do guilt anymore. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad or a good thing. I'm just saying it's an observation. When I was growing up as a Christian, we did guilt really well. All right? 
I'm not saying that's, that that's necessarily a bad thing that we don't do. That's probably a good thing. But we don't do that anymore. Christians don't feel guilty from not going to church anymore on a Sunday or a weekly. They don't, but they did when I was a kid. One of the other reasons why it's changed is that we have so many choices and options now that the gathered church is one of many options for us. Now, we can't turn the clock back, and I don't want to. The future is where it's at, in my opinion. So we can't turn the clock back, and I don't want to. We can't try to make people guilty, and I don't want to. Occasionally, maybe. But no, I don't want to. But what we can do is point out why something is so, so important to your life and my life. You see, we want something for you more than we want something from you. And what I want to share with you tonight is something that I'm really passionate about. And I see so many Christians, so many of us, kind of drifting with this whole thing. And I want to remind you how powerful this application is if you apply it in your life and if you apply it regularly. You see, there is an app that God has given us. And I want to share why the gathering is so important. Firstly, the first reason, why do we apply the gathering app? The first reason is this, God says it. God says it in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 to 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. The writer was writing to a group of early Christians who were drifting or in danger of drifting away from their faith. They were living in tough times, in persecution and in hardship, and they were drifting. And the writer says, don't do that. He says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. As the day gets darker, guys, you need to gather together. You need to gather together so you can go out and make a difference. You see, for me as a Christian, it was all gathered together and stay away from the world. That was too extreme. But it's gathered together so that you can go out and make a difference. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So God says it. Number two, it says something in itself. When we gather and when we choose to gather as a group of people, it says something in itself. To a world that is divided, that is fragmented, our togetherness communicates a powerful message that the world needs to see and not just hear. It says in Ephesians 3 verse 10, his intent, this is God's intent, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus said in in John 17, my prayer, he said, is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be what? One. Father, just as, you, uh, in me, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. It's a powerful apologetic when the world looks at us, different people who gather together as one. And when we put aside our divisions and our divides and our differences and we gather as one, it's a powerful objective to a watching world. So God says it. It says something in itself. But I want to major on the third reason. We need it. We need it. And I want to just go through some reasons that I'm working on, okay? This is a talk that is developing rather than developed, okay? Number one, I think you miss uninterrupted time listening to God's word and wisdom when you miss the gathering. Now, yes, you can get it on podcast. And for those of you listening on podcast, yes, you're listening to me, okay, on podcast. Yes, you can. Of course you can. And that's a brilliant invention. And I listen to podcasts a lot. 
But when I'm listening to a podcast, it's very easy to get distracted. The phone goes, the text goes, the wife comes in, the dog does something, the child does something, and it's very easy to get distracted. And when you gather, you get that uninterrupted time of listening to God's wisdom and God's word. can't tell you how many times the last few weeks, someone's come up to me and says, that was just for me this morning. To which I want to say, I'm really glad you were here then, aren't you? Because if you'd have just woken up and flipped a coin, sunny day today, shall I go, shan't I go, then you would have missed the word that God had for you. And when you apply it in your life, you're saying, I want to listen to your God. It's 75, in our case, minutes a week. I'm saying 75 minutes a week, I want to say, God, if you've got something for me, I want to position myself so I can hear it. I don't want to leave it to a flip of a coin, because why would I do that? But what I want to do is to schedule it into my life. I nearly didn't come today, someone said to me recently, but I'm so glad I did. And I I don't know whether I I was pleased or annoyed. You nearly didn't come today, you muppets. Do you know what I mean? But you're really glad you did, because God spoke to you. That's one of the reasons that we need it. Because we miss uninterrupted time listening to God's word. And because we don't want to turn the clock back and we do recognise life is different, here at this church, we're creating three options for you on a Sunday as well. 9.30, 11.30 and now 4.30 at Hagley. It was great to see some people who would say that they're Halzoan people but coming along at 4.30 because they were doing something else on a Sunday or their kids were doing something or they'd been away and they came and that's brilliant and that's why we work our butts off to create opportunities because we want something for you more than we want something from you. So you will miss uninterrupted time listening to God's word. Secondly, you'll miss worshipping God through music with other people. This is so rich. We can all worship God on our own, and we should. But there's something intangible, mystical, and powerful about joining music and words together in a congregation, isn't there? There just is. And, and the Bible says that God inhabits the praises, not of his person, but of his people. When they come together, something amazing happens. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Thirdly, you'll miss the power and movement of the church. Imagine little streams that merge together as one. You know, Niagara Falls can power four million homes. A little stream can't do that. And when we come together, we can catch something of the power and the movement of the local church. And when you miss, we miss you. When you miss, we miss you. Because we miss your smile. We miss your encouragement. We miss the word that you might have for someone. We miss the prayer that you might pray for someone. We miss that when you miss. That's exactly what happens. And the fourth thing that you miss is you miss the opportunity to bring someone else. One of our values as a church is that we are a missional church. We're all about reaching lost people. And the gathering is an opportunity to invite someone along. And I would suggest, and we're experiencing this in Hagley, that when you invest yourself in that, uh, then when you invite people, you know, all of a sudden you, you, you care about it more, don't you? Because you've put yourself out there and you miss that opportunity. So what I want to do is I want to just take you through an Old Testament story and show you this, how it works out, okay? Um, so before we do that, I wonder if any of you know what these dates have in common. August the 2nd, 1990, April the 2nd, 1982. December the 7th, 1941, and September the 1st, 1939. Outbreaks, actually, they were outbreaks of war. More accurately, they were invasions. Every single one of those dates is a date 
when somebody invaded another country. Kuwait, the Falklands, Pearl Harbor and Poland. What was it like or is it like to experience invasion in our lives? When enemies, when things, when threats come at us and invade us, where do we go? Where do we run? What do we do? Uh, I want you to turn, if you've got a Bible, to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's going to come up on the screen, but maybe if you've got a Bible, then go with it as well. I mean, can you imagine what it will be like to suffer and experience an invasion? You know, we, Alison and myself and some friends went to watch a film yesterday. It was set in the Second World War called Their Finest. And it was about the Blitz and references to Dunkirk and all of that. And can you imagine what it's like to be in a country that's invaded? What are some of the words that you could think of? How would you describe? How would it describe? How would you describe what you would feel like going through an invasion? Anyone? Fear. Sorry? Oppression. Shouted. Vulnerable, absolutely, all these kind of words. And I want to suggest we're going to look at a physical invasion in the Bible, but actually I want to say that this is what can happen in our lives, guys. And then I'm going to link it to gathering. So it says in 2 Chronicles 21 to 2, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Mayanites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazan Tamar. That is in Gedi. So basically says this, there's three armies, they've joined together, they're out to get you, and they're on your doorstep. Invasion. Invasion. Jehoshaphat was the king of this obscure, was an obscure king of southern kingdom of Judah. This day began as an ordinary normal day. All of a sudden, with no warning, he's invaded. All of a sudden, with no warning, fear. All of a sudden, with no warning, oppression. All of a sudden, with no warning, vulnerability. What does he do? Where does he go? Tell you where he goes. Goes to the gathering. That's what he does. He applies the app of gathering together in the name of God. And I think this can happen to you and to me. And maybe it's happened to some of you in this room or those of you listening. Maybe the doctor gave you bad news. Maybe the boss asked you into the office and gave you bad news. Maybe you got a call from the school. Maybe a friend pops round with devastating news. Maybe a letter from the bank. Maybe a family member calls. And sometimes these things can happen more than once, one at a time, can't they? And all of a sudden it feels like you're being invaded. And I know often people say to me that when life is tough, they find it the hardest thing to come to a gathered church. And I get that, but I also want to say, but that's the best thing you can do. It's the best thing you can do when life is at its toughest. What do we do when we face invasion? Look at what the king did in verse 3. Alarmed, because he was, okay? Because it wasn't like denial. He was alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together. See, when they were under invasion, they came together. They gathered to seek help from who? The Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. His first response wasn't retreat, but was to reach out. It wasn't to be alone, but it was to be together. And I know it's difficult, but I want to suggest, I want to show you why it's so, so important. He recognises the invasion, and although he's alarmed and it brings him fear, he goes to God and he goes to gather. He goes to God and he goes to the gathering. The amplified version of that verse says, Then Jehoshaphat feared and set himself determinedly as his vital need to seek the Lord. 
His fear drove him to God and his, and, his, and his fear drove him to gather with other people. Where do we run to when life is tough? We run to the fridge. We run to the bottle. We run to the shops. We run to the entertainment. Nothing wrong with some of that stuff that I've just said. Or do we actually go to God's people and go to God? Go to the app that can actually help us. So I want to show you as we go through this story why the gathering and what the gathering actually does Okay, through this story. Firstly, the gathering prepares you to see clearly. In verse 5, Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and he said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. God of wonders. That's what he's singing, isn't it? Beyond our galaxy. You rule over all the kings of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. And he gets people together to get them to see clearly. Yes, we have invasion on our doorstep, but we have a God in heaven who loves us. Amen. And so that's what the gathering does. It helps us to lift our eyes up to see firstly who God is. And secondly, what God has done. And I don't know about you, but I need that. I mean, I'm here all the time in the Bible all the time talking about God, but I still need the gathering where I look up and say, God, you are still in control. You are still God. I can't see clearly what's happening. You know, it feels like invasion is coming. It feels like nothing but alarm and fear and and vulnerability and oppression and all those words. But God, I want to see clearly. You are still God in heaven and you do love me and you've done amazing things in my life. And this verse for me is one of my most favourite verses in the whole Bible. In verse 12, he gathers everyone together. And then in verse 12, Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What a great verse. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's powerful, isn't it? Some of you in this room, you or listening to me, you know that this is your verse right now. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And what the gathering does is it enables you to come into that space again where you remind yourself of this truth. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Gathering helps you see clearly. Brian Houston, founder of Hillsong, said, Worshipping God when you don't feel like it isn't fake, it's faith. Heard that before recently, I think. Worshipping God when you don't feel like it isn't fake, it's faith. Many people say to me, oh, I can't come because I don't feel, I don't feel close to God. So I won't come. Wrong move. Wrong move. As if, like when you come and you don't really feel like it, God isn't going to know that anyway. Of course he does. But just like I've said many times before, I remember somebody who, in this church, who lost Somebody in very tragic circumstances said, I couldn't sing when I came to church, but I just came and I kept standing in the way of God. I was with someone today. Again, lost someone very tragically and finding it difficult to worship. Just saying, but come and stand in the way of God. It's not fake. It's faith. You might not even be able to sing. You don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And what the gathering does is it puts us in that position where we can begin to remind ourselves who God really is. And we begin to see clearly. Secondly, gathering prepares you to stand. Gathering prepares you to stand. Verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones. I don't, if you've got children and little ones, toddlers maybe, I don't know. Stood there before the Lord. That's amazing, isn't it? The whole of the family came to the gathering and stood before the Lord. Now this is really important. 
This doesn't mean that all of the, everybody has to be in the same space all the time. I think what this means is this. If we've got kids, are we bringing them up with the value of gathering together to worship God? Because it's really important. I want to say something to you. And you know me well enough and you know I love you so much, you guys as a church. So you know I wouldn't say anything harsh unless I, unless I really meant it. <laughs> or unless you know that it comes with love. It, you, there are no guarantees your kids will follow God when they're older. But if you don't model a disciplined, applied faith that includes the gathering, but isn't only the gathering, you've got very little chance. Because what we model when our kids are little, they will drift away, usually. But what we invest in them when they're young, and when we bring them up, and they might say, it's boring. Can I say, so what? Don't give in to that whole thing that they can't sit through something that's boring. That might be really good for them. Who said that the biggest crime in the world, do you know what I mean, was something that, that, that is boring for a little bit? Maybe it is, but you're modelling something for them, which is so, so important. And if we want our kids to build relationships with other Christian kids and have a community as they grow older, we've got to model consistency or they've got no chance. They've got no chance at all. It's really hard growing up to follow Jesus. It's even harder if we don't give them something consistent to model. Gathering prepares you to stand. You know, I love the verse in Exodus 14, verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. I think the gathering reminds us of that sometimes. We can't do anything. We can gather and we can remind ourselves that we can stand. Then thirdly, gathering prepares you to listen to his voice. I won't read the next bit out, but basically as they begin to uh, uh, stand together, the prophetic begins to come and God speaks to them through the prophetic and God tells them what they're about to do. And it says at the end of the thing, take up your positions, stand firm, see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. So they didn't know what to do and they were full of fear, but they gathered together. And as they gathered together, God spoke to them and God gave them a strategy and then out they went. And the key thing in this strategy was this. You've you got to stand, but then you've got to move out and God will be with you. And God will be with you. And number four, gathering prepares you to battle. Gathering prepares you to battle. Verse 21, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. Why we sing and worship every single week is because it's in the Bible. And there is something powerful about it. And, and, and you'd think that you wouldn't send the creative types out at the head of the army because they're wusses. Basically, do you know what I mean? If they create, that's what some of you would think. But actually, in the, in the Bible, the front of the army were the singers and the musicians. They were actually, you can shoot them first, can't you? Some of you are saying, yeah, you like to do that as well. But that's what they did because actually, one of the ways in which we battle through life is through praise and worship, isn't it? It's absolutely why we do it. Here's the strategy. So sent them out, the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men and they were defeated. And we're not going to talk about why God would kill people and all that. That's another talk. But basically, this is, this is a pictorial thing, okay? Basically, when we worship God, God moves on our behalf. There's something amazing about it. I can't explain it all, but I know it's true. That somehow when we say, I can't do anything, we have no power to face this fast on me, our eyes are on you. But we'll praise and we'll worship God and somehow God moves through that in an incredible way. 
So gathering prepares you to battle. You can just imagine the scene, can't you? And the, and the warfare. They're about to go to battle and yet they start singing. They start singing about God. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Our battle is won in worship nowhere else. It's amazing. And uh, I, I remember years ago when, uh, hearing this story about um, a World War I plane. You remember those planes, if you've seen them on the, the films, where, where you have a, a guy sat in, in the front and there's maybe a guy sat in the back, you know, and they're just like two seats. And this one was just one seat. Well, actually, the guy was in the seat in the, uh, in the front. And there was no one in the seat at the back. And, and, as, and as, he, as he took off, um, he, he heard this gnawing sound in the back. And, and he realized as he turned around that there was a rat that had got in the back of the plane. And it was gnawing through one of the cables to, to one of the, the wings or something, the flap on the wing. And he realized that he, he was on his own, so he couldn't do anything about the rat. But if he didn't do something about the rat, he's going down. And he's, what am I going to do? And you know what he did? He just climbed higher. And he went higher and higher and higher. And as he went higher and higher and higher into the altitude, eventually there was no noise because the rat died. And there's something about praise and worship where it takes us higher into God's presence. And that rat that's gnawing away at our life, that work of the enemy, can't stand that. And when life is tough for you and you say, I'm going to worship God anyway, I think we silence that rat. I think we kill that rat, the work of that rat in our life. When we say, even though life is difficult I'm going to worship God anyway we go higher don't we we go higher when we do that I think that's amazing and um, the final thing that I want to say is gathering prepares you to celebrate verse 26 on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka where they praised the Lord this is why it is called the valley of Baraka to this day the name Baraka literally means blessing in that valley they found the blessing the place where they were meant to be destroyed was the place where they had victory. And then at the gathering, we remember the source in verse 27 and 28. Then, then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. And there's something about the gathering where we kind of come back together and we remind ourselves of what God has done. And we hear stories, don't we? Do you know what I mean? And we listen to stories or we see them on the screens and we, or we tell them or we hear them and we remind ourselves that God is good and that God's at work. And that's whole thing of the gathering. And then as we gather like that and as we draw that strength and energy from one another and from God, then we're more equipped to go out again into the world, aren't we? We're more equipped to head back out there into the battle. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Just a final thought the power of the ripple effect in verse 29. Listen to this. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. There's something, guys, when we gather together, when we seek God together, when we encourage one another, then when we head off out there into the world and come back and go and come back, there's something about that rhythm which I think is powerful. I think it's powerful. And, and I want to encourage you. I know life is busy. I know there are lots of choices. I know there are loads of things your kids want to do. I want to encourage you. Okay, I'm not King Canute trying to hold back the waves of time. I want to encourage you. This is something that will really serve you well. And your family. Prioritise the gathering as much as you're able. And when we do, let's be expectant that God's going to move and that God's going to speak to you. 
You know, I love it when, when I'm here and I'm not speaking. Like Sunday, Jane will be speaking and I'll be here taking more notes than any of you. I'm not saying that to big it up, but I want to hear from God. And I tell you what, if I come with an attitude of God, you've got something for me today, he never disappoints. It's all about attitude. It's all about attitude. It's all about receptivity. And it's all about discipline. That other D word that we don't like. So why don't we stand together for a moment? Why don't we stand? What we want to do tonight in the time that we've got left is that we want to, we want to invite God as we gather together to come and to meet us. And there will be many of you in this room who feel invaded right now. I know there's a lot of sickness around at the moment. There's a lot more than usual and there are seasons of that. Don't think anything deeply spiritual about that or anything like that. I just, we just are in a season where we're hearing regularly people who've been diagnosed with various issues and conditions and you're feeling invaded in your body. And maybe it's someone in your family. So therefore it's not just a health thing, it's a family issue as well. And that's really difficult. I know there are some of you and you are invaded in terms of your relationships. Things seem to be coming at you in terms of your relationships and you feel invaded. Some of you are invaded financially. Chatting to someone just last week, feeling really under pressure financially, not knowing which way to turn. And then a bill comes and then something else happens. And it's like, oh, that's the one army joins the second army, joins the third army and you're invaded. But you're here tonight, which is amazing. And so what we want to do is we want to remind ourselves who God is, don't we? We want to say, God, let us see clearly who you are. Your love endures forever. And then, God, we want to worship you. We want to stir up our hearts. We want to begin to sing. We want, as we sing and as we worship, we want to begin to pray. And we want to pray for some of you tonight as well. We want to gather around you and pray for you. You know, there's a, one of my favourite verses in, in the book of Acts in 13 is, is where Paul is taken outside of the prison uh, of, the, of the city sorry and he's beaten because of his faith and the bible says that the disciples went out to him and they gathered round him and then it just says and he got up and went back into the city and it doesn't say what they did when they gathered round him but we all know don't we don't we what did they do prayed for him he was beaten up physically and, and, and they just gathered around him and they prayed for him doesn't say they prayed for him but we know they did and he got up and he went back into the city. That's the beauty and the power of the gathering. That we can gather around any of you that feel beaten up tonight. That feel invaded. That feel under threat. And nothing may change in the situation. But a lot can change in us. That's the power of the gathering. That's the power of the Spirit of God at work in His body. So let's pray. So Father, we thank You for this incredible privilege You've given us. God, when I've been around other parts of the world, I've sat with people who've been in situations of persecution under communism where they couldn't gather like this. And when they did gather, they could gather. They only gathered in secret and they whispered. And every moment that they gathered together was a moment that was precious to them. And God, we have it so often and so frequently and so freely. And yet, Lord, we've many of us have forgotten just what a privilege it is. God, I pray that you would fill our hearts with gratitude. That, God, we would be people who would prioritise the gathering. Lord, that one moment when we can refocus and recalibrate, that moment when we can remind ourselves who you are and who we are, 
that moment when we can stand together as families, as different generations, and we can encourage and spur one another on, and that moment when collectively we can encounter you as well. So God, as we now begin to call out to you, as we begin to worship, as we begin to call out your name, God, I pray that you'd encounter us. Lord, anyone here, anyone here or anyone listening who's feeling invaded right now, anyone who's feeling beaten up right now, God, would you come? Would you come by your Spirit as we worship you? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lift our voices.